This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. So, if you've got a Bible with you, if you'd like to turn to Acts chapter 15, please. I'm looking out, I can actually see this morning a couple of Bibles, wow, three, and even four, wow, nearly in double figures, the rest of you are all clicking away, so (laughs) some of you are still old school like I am, very good. Acts chapter 15, we're working our way through the book of Acts, we've got to uh, chapter 15, we're at verse 36, so we'll pick up. Pick up the story, Acts 15, 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it would be wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Stop it there. So this short passage in Acts here tells us about the disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. Now, the Bible doesn't comment on the rights and wrongs of this disagreement, but rather tells us what happened and what the outcome was. And clearly, this is such a shame, isn't it, that Paul and Barnabas go separate ways. I mean, who was it that had initially commended Paul to the early church, to the disciples? Who was it that had taken Paul under his wing and encouraged him so much in his early ministry? Of course, it's Barnabas. These guys have got history together. All that initial history, and they travelled together, ministering. Initially, Paul working with Barnabas, and over time, it seemed like Paul was more taking a lead, and Barnabas was working with him. These guys have got history together in the Lord and serving him. And they have such a sharp disagreement, they end up going their separate ways. When Barnabas wanted to give John Mark another chance after he'd previously let them down, Paul said no. It's interesting, isn't it? The very thing that had been so helpful in Paul's early ministry, i.e. Barnabas being such an encouraging guy, such generously open-hearted because he was being like that again to somebody else, John Mark, on this occasion, it caused a fracture between Paul and Barnabas in their relationship. Now, if you've read anything about this passage, if you've read any commentators, you'll you'll notice some commentators say, well, this is actually a good thing, because it meant that the gospel went further and wider, and there was more people at work in the gospel ministry of spreading the word of the Lord. The text doesn't tell us that. 
That's not what we read in God's Word. It doesn't make any judgment on it. And to me, that feels like God redeeming the situation rather than designing it. And was it ideal that Paul and Barnabas fell out so sharply that they went their separate ways? I don't think so. I don't think it can be. But God redeemed it and used them both. And the gospel advanced. If you've been a Christian for, I don't know, longer than just a few days, or to be honest, if you've been a human being for more than a few hours, you'll probably be aware of people having disagreements. This is not unusual. Now, they may be major disagreements, or they might be quite minor disagreements. You know, what are you going to have for tea, for example? Disagreements happen. That's not up for debate, is it? The issue for us as Christians is how we handle them. It's not that they're not going to happen. They will happen. That's not a great prophetic word. That's just life. The question for us is, how do we handle it when they do? So that's what I want to look at this morning. And we're going to look at some other scripture together that gives us some more teaching on this subject. And it's going to be a very practical preach. We've had some preachers recently that have been quite heavy going theologically. This is a very practical preach. And I'm trusting will serve us well as we continue to live for Jesus and seek to build his church. So shall we pray and see what the Lord has for us? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for speaking already prophetically to us. And now, God, as we look at your word together, would you speak to us, please, from this book? We pray, God, you'd give us open hearts this morning to hear what you have for us individually and as a church. We might honour you in the way that we live and conduct ourselves. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So our priority in the church is to love God, firstly, no surprises there, and secondly, to love one another. Again, I'm guessing no surprises there. And out of that then flows living in harmony with one another, loving God and loving one another and living in harmony together. Jesus said in John chapter 13, a verse that you may be very familiar with, a new command I give you, he says, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Pretty clear, isn't it? Doesn't need a lot of explanation there, I guess. Peter, in his letter, 1 Peter 3, verse 8, says, Finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. And we could just spend all morning on that verse, couldn't we? There's some instructions in there for all of us. Live in harmony. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate. Be humble. But the living in harmony with one another flows out of loving one another. 
And it's talking about unity in God's church. You see, unity in the church is an important value. It's important in Scripture. It's important to the Lord. It's not an optional extra for us. It's an essential in building the church. To build a missionally effective, God-honoring, spirit-filled church. Friends, we need to be in unity together. Unified. This is an important value. Psalm 133. It comes up in the Old Testament as well. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. Right throughout Scripture, time and again, we read about living in harmony with one another, living in unity as God's people together. Paul says this to the Ephesians in Ephesians 4, verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort. Sounds like hard work, doesn't it? It has that sort of feel to it. Make every effort. And yes, it is hard work sometimes. But we can't excuse ourselves. It's important. It's important because it's Jesus himself that has brought us together. You know, in God's church, he brings all sorts of people together from all different backgrounds and walks of life. And he builds them and knits them together, adds them together in his people, his kingdom, his bride, his body, his church. It's Jesus that has done it. Ephesians 2 verse 14 Paul says, for he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. He has brought peace to us and joined us together. It's true for every warring faction around the world, isn't it? Ultimately, where are we going to find peace? It's only in Jesus. So as an aside, let me say this. If you... I hear this morning, maybe you're not a Christian, perhaps you're just here with friends or visiting, just wondering what this faith thing is all about. You're looking for peace this morning, and the Bible makes it really clear. That's only found in Jesus. And this morning, you can know peace, maybe for the very first time. You can look for peace in all sorts of places, but ultimately, you only find it in Jesus Christ. And we should demonstrate this peace then in the church because Jesus has brought us together. And only God can do what no other mediation service, go-between or reconciliation plan can do. Jesus himself is our peace. So if that's the foundation to this then, how do you handle disagreement when it comes up? Because it does. Anybody noticed? It does, isn't it? So how do you disagree with someone about something? What do you do? They just they seem that they're a part of life, aren't they? It's not unusual. Well, depending who you're disagreeing with and about what, depends how you handle it. For example, disagreeing with your teenage daughter about what is an appropriate bedtime 
or a state for said daughter's bedroom to be kept in, perhaps. It's very different to disagreeing with the police officer who stopped you for speeding, apparently. Some of you may think those illustrations are from my life. They may or may not be. I wasn't speeding. <laughs> it is possible to disagree well. You need to listen to start with. You listen to the other person, listen well. You remain calm, you're quiet, you listen to what they have to say. Actually, good listening can solve all sorts of problems. Sometimes people just need to be heard. Not a situation solved, but a position heard. So don't be too quick to speak. James puts it like this in James 1, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So listen to the words. Listen to what the person is saying. Listen to the emotion. Make eye contact Look at them. Do you remember the, I think it was an advert a few years ago, had a, I think an American soldier in, in a war zone. And uh, he's, I remember seeing it, he's there and he's, he takes his sunglasses off to, to talk to some kids. And it's like, because making eye contact is important. When you're seeking to build a relationship, when you're seeking to listen to somebody, looking at them counts. Body language matters as well, doesn't it? If you're talking to somebody about something and you're sitting, you're sort of standing there like this, you know, it doesn't show that you're very interested. Whereas if you're engaged, if you're open, if you're listening, if you're paying attention, if you're seeking to understand their position, then even how you hold yourself, how you conduct yourself, the position that you're in, your body language says something, doesn't it? It really does. So listen, ask questions to clarify understanding, but don't give answers too quick. Danny Silk says, successful confrontations are best handled by asking questions. Some good advice there. And if someone's angry, try to dial it down. Diffuse the situation, lower the emotion. And ask yourself, why? Why are they saying this? What is really going on? Is the issue they're talking about really the issue? Or is something else behind it? And pray for discernment. Anybody done that in the moment? God, give me discernment. Let me see what's really going on here. Solomon prayed it. 1 Kings 3 verse 9. So give your servant a discerning heart, he says, to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. See, discernment is a gift of the Holy Spirit, and you can ask him for it when you need it. And remember, Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So be gentle. Be kind. Even if the other person is being quite unpleasant about it. Pray. As you're listening, pray, ask God for wisdom. Know how to ask him to, to explain to you and tell you how to respond. James 1 verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously. 
to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. We've talked about some promises this morning. That is a good promise. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Some good news there, isn't there? That God gives wisdom when we need it. And as well as listening to the individual, you're listening to to the Holy Spirit. It's like one ear to them, one ear to God. Lord, what are you saying here? How should I respond? What's the right way forward? Do you need to say sorry or compromise? Do they need to do that? And be the first to apologize. Be the first to apologize. Keeping relationship is more important than winning an argument. Keeping relationship is more important than winning an argument. So consider what they're saying. Then consider how you put across what you need to say. I thought it was a faulty. Or whatever it might be that you need to say. They might just be plain wrong. Or you know what? You might just be plain wrong. So be asking God for wisdom. Come to an understanding, maybe come to a compromise in it. In life we do that all the time, don't we? Lots of situations. You might come to an agreement, or you might just get the ticket. For the record, I didn't. There we are. Or your teenage daughter might just have to go to bed. That's how it is. Or whatever the situation is that you're seeking to resolve. But listen, what about church life? What about church life? What do you do when someone has offended you in church? And if this morning you're thinking, Wow, that's never happened to me. If you're sitting there thinking, gosh, you know what? I've never known that experience in church life. Then let me give you something to look forward to. It will probably happen to you sometime soon. And there's a high chance of it being me that does it. (laughs) And if it's not me, it's probably somebody else sitting close to you. Not because we want to, but these things happen, don't they? So in church life, what do we do about it? How do you handle those issues? Listen, please don't be naive. Don't think, oh, it doesn't happen, or it could never happen here. It does. It can. And it will. Because we're all human. So the issue is not will it happen, because unfortunately... It will. Somebody will offend you. Something will happen. Something will be said or not said, done or not done. The issue is not will it happen. The issue, friends, is what do we do when it does? How do we handle it? Well, firstly, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. We are human beings. We have the capacity to offend, and we often do. Think about the people closest to you, your friends your spouse maybe, your family. These things happen, don't they? Sometimes something is said which causes offence. 
And I've noticed in my life that ironically, it's the people who I'm closest to that I'm most likely to offence. And I think it's because it's those people I'm less guarded. I'm perhaps more relaxed. I perhaps don't filter what comes out of my mouth <laughs> as well as I should, that I might do around others who I don't know so well. So the people that are closest to me, that I love the most, I'm most likely to cause offence there. Maybe it's true for you. Maybe you're much holier than me. Maybe, that, it doesn't, maybe you don't relate to that, or maybe you do. Disagreements and offence happens. So what do you do when it does? I want to get really practical now because this is talking about building the church, building relationship, loving one another, living in unity, seeking to be obedient to Scripture. What do you do when it happens? How do you handle it? Well, the first thing to ask is this. Does it need dealing with, really, or do you just need to forgive and move on? Does it need dealing with, really, or do you just need to forgive and move on? Because sometimes you just need to go, you know what, I'm just going to forgive them. They didn't realise what they did, what they said or didn't do. Just, you just, I'm just going to choose to forgive and, and move on. He doesn't really need addressing. The other person didn't mean to offend. And it's not like they do it all the time. You just need to forgive. So what I don't want to do is suggest we get so petty that every little thing is addressed. Sometimes, friends, we just need to go, you know what? I'm going to choose to forgive, let it go, and move on. Now, to be clear, I am not talking about situations where there's been a breaking of the law. Okay? Let's be clear here. If that sort of offence has been committed, you'll probably need to involve police and other authorities. Now, you might choose not to prosecute somebody for smashing your car window, for example. You might choose to offer forgiveness and not prosecute. That's a choice you can make. But listen, in all seriousness, let me say this. If there has been a serious offence or abuse, or even allegation of that, it needs to be reported, dealt with appropriately, handled well. Is that clear? So what I'm talking about in handling disagreements is not that order of things, okay? What I'm talking about is where somebody's offended you by something they've said or they've done. Or equally, something they've not said or not done, maybe. This is not a legal issue. This is an issue of handling relationships well. And in any situation, relationships can get strained, can't they? And the church is no different. That's what we find in, in Acts chapter 15. There was such a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas that they parted company. So friends, if it can happen to our biblical heroes, how much more can it happen to us? How should we handle this when they do? Sometimes you just need to forgive and move on. 
But if it's more serious or if the other person keeps on doing it, what do you do then? How do you handle yourself? Well, secondly, don't run away. Deal with it. Too often people can just run and not deal with the issue. And that doesn't really resolve anything. It just leaves a trail of broken people because of unresolved situations. It leaves a trail of people still hurting. So don't run away. Deal with it. It might sound painful, but trust me, it's more painful to leave it and not to deal with it. Unresolved conflict or disagreements, a bit like an infection. It can get worse and spread. So you need to deal with it and deal with it early. So number three, keep short accounts. Deal quickly with any relational stresses. Listen to what Jesus has to say about it. We're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Therefore, Jesus says, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. If Jesus was here this morning, in our culture and context, he might say it like this. Therefore, When you come to worship and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, during the first song, go to them. Be reconciled to them, then come and worship. That would be how I think Jesus would put it to us. You see, you might think that for Jesus, worship was important. It was. It is. But listen. What he says is, before you get into that, if you know of a relationship that needs to be resolved or reconciled, go do it. And go do it straight away. Then come and worship. If your brother has something against you, if your brother or sister has something against you, if you know that someone's got a problem with you, then go deal with it before you come to worship. And although it doesn't say it in the text, the implication, friends, is also this. If you have something against someone else, then go deal with it. Then come and worship. Deal with the issue and then come to God. Jesus, I think, is pretty clear on this. You turn up on a Sunday morning, you realize that something is going on between you and another person, What do you do? Well, you don't leave it. You go resolve it. Go deal with it. First song. Get it out of the way. I sometimes realize that I've offended somebody or said the wrong thing. It's a particular gift of mine. This is not unusual. But when it happens, the first thing I want to do is to deal with it and deal with it quickly. If I need to apologise, then to do it and deal with it and resolve the situation. I can't stand things being unresolved and just sort of dragging on. Because if you don't deal with things, situations have a habit of only getting worse. 
not resolving themselves. And then it starts to grow inside you and starts to eat you up. And it all gets much harder to resolve. My friend Andy Robinson says, offence is never given, it's always taken. I.e., you choose to take it. It's up to you. You can choose whether to be offended or not. You know, I am grateful, believe it or not, I am grateful for good friends who have challenged me at different points in time, who have been offended at something I've said or done or not said or not done. And in order to clear the air and keep the relationship, have said something. Much better to resolve it and deal with it. I remember a situation at the end of last year. Something had happened between a particular friend and myself. And I'm like, I've just got to resolve this. And uh, tried to look for some opportunities to do that. didn't work. Ends up having to make a call and go, you know what, I just need to sort this out. And actually, I'm so glad I did. Because if it hadn't done, it would always been eating away inside. Every conversation... I would have had with them in the future would have been, oh, I never really resolved that. But now we've resolved it. We've talked it out. It's done. Forgotten about. Not an issue anymore. The relationship is good to continue. Friends, I want to encourage you to deal with things. Don't let things take root in your hearts. It is easy to cause offence unintentionally. Maybe somebody misunderstood a decision you made or an action that you took. It's not always easy to go to that person and sort it out. But friends, I want to encourage you, please do it. Because it keeps the unity of the church intact. It takes great courage. It takes great maturity. But God will help you as you do. How much better to resolve things quickly and well than to give Satan the opportunity of causing it to upset you, or worse, bring disunity to God's church. We have an enemy who is looking for every opportunity to cause disunity in God's church. Who is not as passive about whether the church is a good thing or a bad thing. No, no. He is actively seeking to cause disunity and disrupt what God wants to do in his church. An enemy that prowls round, Scripture says, like a roaring lion. We would do well not to give him any foothold. To resolve any situation so that he can't get in on it. And then finally, we need to rebuild trust. Do you remember the verse from Ephesians we read earlier? Ephesians 4, verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Where there's been a relationship breakdown or offence, once it's dealt with, you might need to rebuild trust. And sometimes that takes time. Sometimes it's hard work. But I want to encourage you to do it. Forgiveness is a choice. That can happen in a moment. Rebuilding trust can take time. Can be hard work. But it's essential to keeping the unity of the Spirit 
in God's church. We need to remember that the church is God's church. We are his people, his bride, his family. And we need to treat his bride, his family, with the utmost respect and tender love and care. Because this is Jesus' body we're talking about here. And keeping the unity of it is so important. So, as I, to use Adam's phrase, come into land, Jesus tells us to be reconciled. This should happen before we get into worship. So as we finish, my question to us this morning is this. Is there anyone you need to be reconciled to this morning? Do you need to go to somebody even today, even before we get to coffee, and go, hey, can I just resolve this? Can we just talk this out? Jesus values unity in his church. We need to value unity in his church. And I want to encourage us on this occasion not to be like Paul and Barnabas, not to end up going separate ways, but rather to be obedient to Scripture and to reconcile and to restore. Amen? So can we stand together, please, if the band would like to to come back up, please. We're going to close with a final song. Before we do that, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray and ask the Lord that he would speak to us by his Spirit. And if there's anything that we need to take from this morning in terms of immediate action that we would seek to resolve and restore and deal with even today, even before coffee. So Lord Jesus, we thank you that we get to be part of your body. We thank you that you have called us together. We thank you that the church is your body. And just as you value unity so highly, we this morning also want to value unity so highly. And so, Father, I pray for all of us today that we would take on board, Lord Jesus, what you said, your instructions to us, your command to us, that, God, we would be obedient to what you said, that we would quickly seek to resolve, that we wouldn't deal, we wouldn't leave things lying around unresolved like mines waiting to go off when someone treads on them but Father I pray that you would help us to be obedient to your word to resolve well and to keep the unity of the spirit in your church so Lord help us with these things give us courage give us a sensitive and hearing ear to your spirit and help us to be obedient to all you command us to. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our 
website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.